0: Welcome to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. In this interview with Linda Berg, biography practitioner and threshold worker extraordinaire, we talk about the sacredness of loss, the beauty of life, and the gifts of community. Hi, Linda. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Laura, we
1: get another moment together. We do, we do.
0: We've just been through a big experience at the Sacred Gateway Conference in mm. Sacramento, and uh,
1: now and we're sitting in Nancy's house, and I get to
0: yes, talk to you. Yes, thank you so much for mm. for everything, and for yes. just for coming onto the podcast. Um, so I thought um, we could just start out with just some background. So could you tell me how you connected with Anthroposophy or where that came from? And,
1: uh, yeah. You know how these moments come unexpectedly. So I was, I was trained in, in two areas, really psychology of the seventies, which was, was still, or the sixties, which was still very traditional. Mm -hmm. And, and then I went to Berkeley Mm -hmm. in the late 60s and found that everything was turned around and started finding that there were things about spirituality and and psychology and the human being and all these things. But And then I went back into education mm. at that time and was uh, taught for a number of years and then was asked to te- train teachers at St. Mary's College. Mm-hmm. And one day my boss, who was my colleague who had hired me, said, there's something happening up in Sacramento, and I want us to go explore it because we were looking for the most holistic education out of our experience of learning about more holistic human beings Mm -hmm. of our time, and we had all been doing some work and some psychological work, and so we went and visited the Sacramento Waldorf School. And that was my introduction. Wow. And so it was through my passion for children being educated and seen Mm -hmm. for who they were. And all of a sudden I see that there's a whole system (laughs) that is like I couldn't even name or even the description. All the details of which I would never have imagined is already alive and living and happening. And so it changed our life. And so I'm simultaneously teaching teachers and I'm going to Rolf Steiner training to become a kindergarten teacher. So I, because oh I had to become the student right? and I started studying rhythm oh. because my body wanted to understand. And I started reading the verses and Finding the way inside of what's behind this mm. and that this spiritual human being mm-hmm. is the basis mm. of this. And then my colleague did the next thing. She went to Emerson and studied biography, mm. which is this way of looking now not only at the first 21 years, mm-hmm. but at the whole development of the human being, the whole lifespan, the whole lifespan, the whole human lifespan, and she came back, and so then I started doing that work with her. Wow! And it all began then in my own experience of my own life, mm-hmm. opening up through looking at these phases of of this. So, so the introduction was really like a parallel train to my education in psychology but it was a spiritual yes. awareness right. that it was like you know like when you see something you've always known it yeah but you didn't know you knew it so totally. so began you know the journey wow and uh I love
0: how you were teaching and being taught at the same time. At what, what a nice flow! Because <laughs> I'm sure those those people in your class were getting this. You know, were you, were you yeah. teaching adults? Or were you I was te- no.
1: I was training masters level yeah, uh, teachers right, and going right. into their classrooms right. and and yeah. You know, wow. And then I I started. You know, I had the watercolor. Art came in, and we started having color come into our journals that we had students keeping. Wow! And I started changing the way that we had their expressions, and wow. and so it was just like it's you know I think that's what teaching really is that is mm-hmm. that you become a student anyway. Yeah. And so totally. it it was happening at the same time. That's and so
0: great. Yeah. That's so great.
1: So and then I went from being, um, you know, a teacher of people in in the master's program to moving to Minnesota and being a kindergarten Waldorf teacher. Aww. So, and I figured out there wasn't a lot of difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're all, it, it's like, right. it was like, but then I got to be in kindergarten. Yeah. So then I got to learn from being in kindergarten. How the nice. things that I probably never mm-hmm. had received in my own life. Mm-hmm. So the baking of bread, the... the the rhythms of the day. Mm-hmm. The colors. I wore the colors of the day. The very simple things that yeah. aren't so simple.
0: No, they're so L- special if you've never you know? been
1: around them. Right. I think, what do you mean there's a color of the day? <laughs> <laughs> what and do I you got mean? to and I sang my I sang through the whole day. I got to oh. sing to my children all day oh. long. And and the stories I got to I had to learn to memorize stories. And it was right. like then the stories were inside of me. And yeah. so it was like you know, my training really happened when I was teaching, almost yeah. more than when I was in the training. Yes. It happened because it was every day, all day. And, you know, and then life went on, and I went into some, there's many complicated things, but, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, then I I went on and worked with um, uh, abused and neglected and children from lots of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And... Took the Waldorf understandings mm-hmm. into working, so that we could heal them before they were seven. Wow, so my so intention was to work with the children under seven wow. who had been through these things, because I knew that if we could heal them during before they turned seven, that there would be a better chance wow. for them to be whole in their life. So, um, yeah. so that became, mm. you know, a part of. Of my work, but I was still working at the Waldorf School, uh, uh, sort of on the side, yeah. teaching and and doing things, and hmm. and so that that was you know all these life-giving things of the of Anthroposophy, and deepening the reading and the understanding of mm-hmm. the spirit, and then I think you know the big event happened in my life where um, my First of all, my husband passed away, and very suddenly. Mm. And I had heard but never experienced a home vigil. I'd never, and my parents had died suddenly two years before. Mm-hmm. And I had seen them in body bags and in Ooh. places, and I, something in me said, if this ever happens, I will find another way. Mm-hmm. And then somehow somebody just told me about it, And when he died, suddenly I said, we're going to have a home, whatever that is. Right, a home, whatever that 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 is. We're going to do that, and we're going to find out. And so we we learned through the doing of it that we could do it. Mm -hmm. We found someone. And so somehow in that death, then being able to hold, knowing that I was holding his journey after he died, and I, you know, I had read about it intellectually, yes. But then, it was no oh, longer the, intellectual. So you were experiencing
0: it then—this connection with him, this beautiful vigil, the
1: yeah. Uh, and I experienced how all these people who had lost him, yeah, came and they would go into this little place where he, his body. We had a little house he had built, mm-hmm. and they would come out saying, "I went in afraid, mm-hmm. and I came out." In peace, hmm. what is that about? Right. Then they all wanted to understand something. So we were all kind of learning through the invisible, through the impossible challenge of losing someone in his mid fifties in our community,
0: yeah.
1: finding peace in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so, and my daughter, sixteen, was able to go in even finally after 3 days right and sit with him and sing to him and Aww. say goodbye to him so these i am so blessed that somewhere there was an anthroposophist who somehow i had heard something from that i right. can't remember that the seed had been planted right and so maybe the reason for doing this conference t- this yeah, last weekend right, is right. that somebody planted that seed for me yeah and so i wanted to plant that seed so for great. other people and then some people know the story about a, a year later my daughter and her best friend um, died in an accident accident car accident instantly and I was in the car mm-hmm. and so there was and it was a thousand miles from my home and yet there was community there was love mm-hmm. there was care of her body of their bodies and of me and of the whole community and all the students. In a way, again, I was trained by other people's love for my child who was gone. Wow! And they came to see me in the hospital and so this whole journey began Mm -hmm. of this passage is sacred no matter the circumstance. And that if there's a community, then that's what's needed. Right. And so I think that then became Mm -hmm. the training of, okay, we need to create more of this community in my town where I am. So it all started to build after that, as well as healing the grief. Mm -hmm. And then I had an experience, again, Somehow my pathway during my life has been that I have an experience that validates something that then I read later, uh-huh, <laughs> sort of uh, okay, something like gotcha, that. Gotcha. So I had this experience of there were beings with me in the hospital mm. when well, you were after I, the car accident. At, I'm in the ICU. My head's as big as a baseball, as a basketball. They tell me. Wow. And I've had a 22 hour surgery. And I'm having visions of these beings with light streaming to me. Oh my goodness. And holding me in this deepest of peace. Wow. And there's even these words that I'm telling to everyone who comes in the room that aren't my own, they can't be my own words. I'm just a mother who lost her daughter. Love is greater than loss. Oh my
0: goodness! And you were saying this—these uh, this words—and I you? could hardly
1: speak anything else. And so, oh my what goodness. is that? You know, it was my near-life experience. Guess, <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> so, wow. so then, if if I ever had any question about how there is something larger, yeah. you know, with me, yeah. um, that was—it was, was the answered there. Yes, one of those moments. And and that's where I wanted, I meant to see my part of my storytelling then shifted because I wanted to say, have you ever had a time? Was there ever a moment when something was larger than you Mm -hmm. and you realized that? Mm Right. Right. And you're asking me I'm that. I'm asking you to just yeah. sense, was there, because this was not something I was meditating or asked for. It mm-hmm. was one of those things that was given. Yeah. In a, it was given at a time when you didn't know what would be given. Mm-hmm. And I, so right. it, it could be in nature or mm-hmm. with a person that I felt something larger than the visible world yes. was present around me. Yes. So in and my biography moment, I want to ask you. Yeah. Well, you know?
0: can you, um, I want to answer. Okay. And, Good. But I want to ask you about um, this idea of the question, but maybe I should answer right. your question first. Right. Um, and I think, you know, when I tr- when I think about people that are maybe, will say they're atheist or they're agnostic, and I think... You know, here I am talking about the spiritual world all the time in my own spirituality and everybody's spirituality. I think, how can I explain this? And I think in the question you just asked, there's this explanation of that it's yeah. something not visible that you still feel yeah. so strongly um, or hear or perceive. And love, I think, is one of those things. And I think almost everybody, atheist, agnostic, you know, yeah. Jewish, Buddhist, Christian can relate to this idea of love being something that's invisible yeah. in a way. It's yes. this invisible force. But yeah, I mean, I have had that experience. I think multiple times. Um, you know, in nature with my family. Um, but I think in times of sorrow, it can come. And and I've I've mm. had that experience. Um, hmm where I was in a lot of pain because someone in my family was dying and um you know I felt like this this energy I guess you could say a being some people say an angel came and basically said put this put your worry in my book and then they they I did this is like right before falling asleep when I think some of these things come when you're, so probably you're in the hospital, you're in yeah. that state most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I put it in there and then I fell asleep and I was able to sleep. And, um, of course then, you know, it was, was it was the early 2000s. So I went to Barnes and Noble and I was trying to figure out what was this thing I saw? And, is there an angel with a book? Um, <laughs> Of course there is, but um anyway, uh, so that that's what I did with it. I kind of intellectualized it um, tried to find but out there, more yes. but 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 that was bigger than me, and it was a way I had tried everything else to get my pain to go,
1: mm.
0: you know, just to fa- just to fall asleep, um, yeah. you know, talking to people, reading books, yes. categorizing things, running. Mm. Uh, you know everything, and mm-hmm. and nothing worked except the spiritual encounter mm-hmm. that I had. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really beautiful. Yeah, I don't know if that answers yes, your question. It,
1: well, I, I think, it's a human moment that most of us have had, and so those moments for me are confirming. Mm -hmm. what Steiner brought to us in such a huge and larger way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's sometimes some people come to things through the ideas. Yeah. You know, and that they come to Steiner and they understand the ideas and then it changes their life. Right. And I think for some whatever reason Mm -hmm. that mine, a lot of my starts with something that happens to me. Right. And it's like there's something here, and now I want to learn and expand Mm -hmm. and grow and have it be coming from my will. Right. Because that was from grace. Yeah. In that moment, grace of some invisible kind held me alive. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then it got me to be able to actually hold all the other people who had lost Kirsten, yeah. I was being giving the words to them right. from my experience of that. And so I was not, that wasn't me. That was some other part of me, or what is that when we say we've channeled something? Yeah, or, right, You right, know, right. I know I was here, but those really weren't my words right. kind of thing. Right. And it's like, and so the mystery of life mm-hmm. and death and the crack, the crack in between has become now, it was not on my plan list. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, at least not consciously on my plan list. Right. Till I was 54 and my husband, I had not been at a fun you know, i have been at funerals, but I hadn't really been involved with even the death, really, of my grandparents I was held away from. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm the death lady. Yeah, right. I'm wow. the lady that has all these experiences, and everybody's sort of afraid of their own experiences because, oh, no, she lost her daughter, and right. how do I deal around her? And and yet, there was it was okay. Right. It was because my mission was to find... Find the way forward, hmm. and part of it was finding the way through that veil to Kirsten, right? Or being present when she would give me a little tap on the shoulder, Mom. Uh-huh. I graduated already. Right. When I was nervous about being sad about not seeing her graduate, right, right. <laughs> I graduated already.
0: <laughs> That's a great I message. This little I graduated already. So it's
1: like. <laughs> Right. Okay, okay, we can, you know, and then that somehow built trust for other people to share their dying journeys. Yeah. You know? And so then I think the next step that happened, and this is even before the biography work, uh, or at the same time, there were two things after, the, after Kirsten's passing, um, I, I met another amazing man. Mm-hmm and married him, and happened to be Nancy's poor's brother. Nice. So that's a long story. But he was an amazing person who then, two years, three years later, found out he had lung cancer. Mm. And so a year after our marriage, he, um, he died of lung cancer. Oh, my goodness. But we had... I had lost all these people suddenly—my parents, Pa, my daughter. So then I had these tools and this awareness, and we could go consciously through this journey together. Yeah. And it gave a a, a chance for the whole community to understand dying well, mm-hmm. dying awake, right, and being open to fear. Yeah, being open to compassion, being open to confusion, and having the conversation of Jack's openness to this and my our openness as a, as you know as a couple in our home, people yeah. coming and singing to him, and all these things happened, and I thought maybe then part of my destiny became being able to be part of his conscious dying, right. which he gave to us, and. So then after that, Mm -hmm. you know, I did more with the death and dying. People started wanting classes, and you just start. So tell me, what are, tell me some of the things you do now. Yeah, well, if there's a family with someone who they want to know, we would like to have a home vigil, can you help walk our family through it? Because the kids said, I don't want a dead body in my house. You know, that's one family. Right. Or someone says, I have regrets I still hate my father and I don't want to do that before I die." So then you Mm. might be working consciously with someone. So there's all these different levels. We also educate whole church groups Mm. or religious groups who want to have a a group in their church that will be there for families, and they don't have to call us because we train them with the body aftercare work, that kind of thing. So, That's so, so whoever calls, you know, we have classes, or someone calls, and then we, we set up a network where we put out information and have gatherings. And tonight, one is going on yeah. while I'm not here, of people telling their stories mm. about how they were, th- how they went through a home vigil and they're sharing it with maybe 50 60 people and then those people from hearing that story so that's part of the group I'm in that will set up these times for educating and through the heart wow. looking at the art about dying or all of those things and so um, so it just depends on what's what's needed
0: Yeah, it's excellent so you do that for for groups any church group, any group, any, any or community, any person, any person, any person yeah. in our town, right. or
1: whoever calls us, you right. know, that's that kind amazing. Of thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: So then it's it's carried by other groups then too. Right. That's so right. That's nice. the wish. Yeah, yeah. That's the wish. And right.
1: it's not only anthroposophic. Our right, group exactly. is multi. We have um, a pagan, a Lutheran, a Catholic, uh, a, a spiritual people, and yeah. you know, so like it's like the it's like people who feel. The passion to meet this this sacred gateway mm-hmm. with love, care, mm-hmm. and consciousness. Yes. A conscious living, conscious dying. Being prepared. Doing advanced. We have classes on advanced directives. Mm-hmm. And then we have ones on making the conversation with your with your family and doing practices and finding ways to, or, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Can you come and talk to my family with me? I'm afraid to do it on my own. So right. it's like making it less fearful. And so fearful. so that's that part of my work. What great work. Yeah,
0: <laughs> And what a, an interesting path towards it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: So I thought I'd ask you um, just an, another question about something you did at the, the conference and that you had people turn and talk to each other maybe we can end with this um can you talk about this importance of sharing and you know we, we did yes. this you just you yes. just asked me your right. question right and I think questions can change people's lives
1: but um this sharing can too so can you just yes. talk about that for a moment so, so I the other thing that when I got trained in this biography work now I'm what they call a biography worker, or mm-hmm. a facilitator. Mm-hmm. And what I know is that when your story and my story meet, mm-hmm. there's, there's something that happens. When there's a sacred container of trust, confidentiality, and equal time, so that, that I know that you're going to speak, and I'm going to listen. And I'm going to speak, and you're going to listen. That there's something that we don't do that very often. Mm -mm. Mostly we're trying to figure out what I'm going to say next. Or, oh, that reminds me of this. And that's good. That's normal conversation. But this sacred conversation we're finding develops a kind of inner um, interest in the other, and that it's also reflection of my own life while you're sitting, reflecting. And you do this well. See, you ask <laughs> me questions, and so I'm reflecting on my life. So that moment when I said, I want to ask you a question, I wanted a moment to know something about your life. Now in, the, in my biography work, we might take each life cycle and have a time when we have a question. And then we have this sacred conversation. Mm-hmm. And then we'll work on our charts and we'll do art. But it's this sharing in a, a kind of an umbrella. I'm kind of making with my hands kind of mm-hmm. a temple. Yeah. There's a temple with two or three where two or three are gathered, mm-hmm. said the Christ. I am here. Mm-hmm. And I feel this and it. I have watched it change People's lives. In my experience this weekend, I had at least I had at least ten or fifteen people come up to me, and tell me how important having the same partner for three minutes right. each, six minutes of time, um, over three times over the conference, was maybe the most important thing that they did the whole conference, wow. and that was because they were heard unconditionally for three minutes three times.
0: Right. That's only nine minutes. Nine minutes. Uh, And that's, and look at that. Look at the impact of nine minutes. Right.
1: With one person, you know, over a couple days. Right. Right.
0: I would like to do that with, you know, my husband.
1: (laughs) Right. You know, I had a a class where someone said, you know, that in nine minutes, you know more about me than my husband. Oh my goodness. Because, layers deeper deeper. deeper. so keeping that so that's what that's the passion of my living work I have the dying work but the passion of my living work is to bring that sacred temple work Mm -hmm. to people and to have that reflection of their lives so well I can't wait to do more work with that with like that with you
0: (laughs) no thank you so much Mm. for taking the time to talk with me today and Mm.
1: yeah Yay. (laughs) Mm, It's such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Back. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.